This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. Today I've got a real treat. I've got uh, a really interesting human. Um, his name is Dwayne DeRock. He's a producer. He's a life coach. He's a, a Reiki master. He's a guru. He's a music supervisor. He is a hip-hop artist, rapper. He's got a super cool story. I can't wait for you guys to hear this story. Um, he talks about starting when he was uh, a young kid and being a contestant at the Apollo Theater and then going on from there, from being homeless to becoming uh, a producer for Common, Busta Rhymes, Jay-Z, the Pussycat Dolls, Faith Evans, Shaquille O'Neal. He's worked with um, Kevin Hart. He's worked with a whole bunch of different people um, and, and made a career um, out of hustling, man. I mean, he does not... Uh, waste any time and goes right up to the people and asks them and says hey man I got some beats for you guys and they believe him and they work with him and he, he has made a career out of uh, going for it and listening to his intuition and his his heart and just going for it so without further ado you guys here's Dwayne DeRock Ramos Dwayne DeRock, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, man? I'm doing so good, and I'm super uh, happy to have you on my podcast. I've got lots of questions I want to ask you, um, from your spirituality to being a producer to being a music supervisor to being a guru to to being uh, a life coach. Is from what I understand, there's all that stuff is really interesting to me. Um, I want to ask you, like, uh, how you first of all, how you got into music, uh, becoming a rapper. Um, and by the way, your music is amazing. I was, I've been listening oh, to it and thank you, really, really checking it out. And I really think people should check it out for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, tell me about your, your history as becoming a rapper and then, and then lead into uh, performing at the Apollo, which is really cool too. Wow. So yeah, I've been in the music industry since I was 12 years old. Um, my grandfather was a, was an upright bass player for Duke Ellington, played with Johnny Taylor. Wow. And, yeah, and so I just, when he died is when I decided to get into the music business. And I started rapping at the age of 12. I got discovered by a production company when I was 16 out of Jersey, out of Jersey called the Moore Foundation. There were producers, Kevin Moore, Amelia Moore, and they were pretty much grooming me to be the artist, mm -hmm. to be more commercial, more radio and then i just uh got discovered by whitney houston's brother michael houston and michael houston and whitney houston was managing me and i got hooked up with eli barrett with mo burgo uh another brother uh black rich and they were just pretty much you know james capper and they were pretty much uh, uh getting me prepared for the world yeah. And, you know, we got a, we got a call to go. James Capper brought me to the Apollo Theater in August 28, 1991. <laughs> that's, that's, wow. that's awesome, man. So, 
I won I won second place out of twenty nine acts, uh-huh. and I lost I lost to some seven year old kids. <laughs> oh, awesome! That's they awesome. throw candy out to the the, the 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 crowd was throwing candy out to them. They uh-huh. they were just so 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 on point, and uh, that was amazing. And and then um, started working with a with a lot of local um, artists from New Bedford. You know, X amount of rhythm, Tyler Barrett, Sandy Sam. I mean, I can, there's a whole, Preston Perry, Cardinal D. There's like so much. Wow. Victor Valente. There's so many people. Sean Medina. I can go on. Jack Arujo. Like, there's wow. so much. Tim, DJ Imperial Scratch Wizard. There's a lot of Ryan Tavazes. There's a whole bunch of people that was on the same mission, same grind. Mm-hmm. Dow Lobes, Kevin Anthony's, it was like such a grind. I'm sorry, such a grind of just wanting to get out there and be successful, you know. So, Anton Tavares, I mean, I can just drop a name. So, yeah, it's really about like establishing the craft, getting on the level, staying consistent, juggling, you know, being a kid, being a teenager, and being an artist. And just staying focused, you know, and and then I got a call from my guy Russell Russell Ramis and was like, Listen, I got a one way ticket. Actually I got a call from my a friend Kevin Gibson who's like, Yo, I'm gonna introduce you to someone that lives in Miami. So I ended up going to Miami, Marshall Jones, doing I hooked up with Philip Michael Thomas from Miami Vice. I was winning talent shows out there and that's how I was paying paying uh paying for lodging by winning talent shows. I had this unique ability to uh, rap off the top of the head. People, I would get subjects from the audience and wow. rap about rap about things that they would throw at me. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then I went to this comedian showcase and won as a rapper, but I turned it to comedy rap. Uh-huh. And I, I, I won that, and that's what sustained my stay in Miami because I was able to <laughs> afford... By winning these showcases and talent shows. Nice. And then I got a phone call. I was with my cousin Anthony Center. I got a phone call, like, hey, you wanna move to L- you wanna go to LA? I got a one way ticket from my guy Russell Ramis. And I just said, one way? He said, I'll figure out a round trip for you. You wanna go? And I was like, All right, fine. So jumped on a plane, came to LA. Did that same hustle, rapping, winning showcases, winning stuff, and then ran across um, uh, Ice Cube security, and he turns around and was like, "Yo, man, you're incredible, man. I- I'm gonna have you perform in front of Ice Cube, and then you can get a record deal." So I was like, "All right." For that night, I went out, took my music with me because I had kept it with me everywhere I went. I put the music inside this guy's car. And then uh, next thing you know, someone breaks into the car and steals all my music. No way. Oh, my God. All the songs I did, when I was, all the stuff was just gone. Oh, man. So I couldn't find, and I was forced to become a music producer. Okay. Make the beats for me to rap to. Uh-huh. So I, so I ended up hooking up with a musician. And he and I would dictate to him on how I would want the beat made, mm-hmm. and he would he would make the beat based off of how I would hum it, and you know because I didn't play no instruments, mm-hmm. and he turned around and uh, turned around and 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 we created some some so- songs together, and then you know my guy Flip Matrix. And I'm, I'm working with him. He developed me also when I was young. And then he ended up moving to L.A. And then he ended up producing me. And as I'm being produced, I'm learning how to make beats. And then I end up producing Big Daddy Kane. Well, the funny thing about that story is I heard he was in concert. I rushed, I bum-rushed the, um, the backstage and told the security I was one of his dancers. Yeah, security was like he don't have no dances he's by himself <laughs> i said well go ask somebody else go ask that other person so they went to go ask 
and I ran backstage, and Big Daddy Kane was right there. Wow. And I played him the beats. The security's coming to get me now. There's like five of them. They're coming to get me back out of there. Big Daddy Kane sees the security coming. He says, how can I help you? He said, he's coming. He has to go. He said, don't you see he's with me? Nice. I'll leave him alone. Nice. So then that was the that was the, 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 the introduction of me being a music producer, producing Big Daddy Kane. I had got with a manager, manager, had management, bad management, bad decision, uh, trusting people, yeah. not taking advantage of, yeah. you know, had a publishing deal, lost the publishing deal, money's gone, uh -huh. homeless. Uh. Now, I'm, now I'm like, you know, bouncing from house to house, you know, sleeping on people's floors and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then God just said, Hey, just keep it up. Keep going. And I just, I just kept, I just never wanted to give up. So I kept my, my eyes on the prize. Meanwhile, I, I don't have nowhere to live. So next thing you know, um, you know, I, 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 I managed to, um, fast forward. I managed to, uh, uh, hook up with Montel Jordan and then Montel Jordan turned around and was like, you know, come, come, you can stay with my management team. So I was, Mont I was living at the management team's house, had my friend flip who produced me when I was 16, come live with me, you know, and then I get a phone call from my cousin, like, yo, I'm out here. I'm in LA. I need you to come, come live with me. You can come stay with me. I got an extra room. So I ca called my friend, said, Flip, you can come stay with, stay at where I'm staying at, and you can take my room because I'm going to go stay with my cousin. Well, I didn't know that my cousin didn't pay the bills. <laughs> and the sheriff came and knocked on the door <laughs> and asked us to, we had to leave the premises. So now I'm homeless again because wow. I can't go back to where I was staying because I'd already left, I already gave up my space for my friend who needed a place. So the night I went out, I wrestled with my friend Lamont. He took me, I said, I said, something got to give. So we went out that night. I met Shaquille O'Neal, played him some tracks. He heard my music. Next thing you know, he's like, how much do you need? I told him I need 7,500. I was able to get that money from Shaq on that following Friday. It was that Wednesday I met him? That following Friday, I picked up seventy five hundred. Nice. I was look. I was looking at this apartment across the street from, across across uh, uh, away from where I was staying with my cousin, and I was like, I need to go live over there. So I go over there. My credit ain't ain't really got no credit, ain't really nothing established on the credit. Yeah. And the, the manager was like, I said, well, if I can bring Shaquille O'Neal here. Would you let me get in the apartment? She said, if you bring Shaq here, I'll make sure you can get this apartment with no deposit down. Oh, nice. I called up Shaq. I said, Shaq, I need to get into this place. Can you come and just show your face? He said, can we do it now? I said, come right now. And he came, the lady saw him, got into the apartment. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm in the apartment. I'm rocking out. I'm stable. I got enough rent to pay pay for pay pay rent. Then, um, so let me backtrack. So in 1994, I had a dream that I was working that I worked with Janet Jackson. So I had sampled her song "Let's Wait a While." In 1994, I sampled this record, and I kept it. And then 1998, um, I get a I, I just feel like uh, I wanted to go to Michael Jackson's label, MJJ, and see if I can get a record deal. So I go there, meet with the guy, Kenny Comasaw. He hears this, hears this record and says, you're never going to get this record cleared. This record is hot. I said, let me see if I can get these guys to come in from, they have a record label in, in Germany. And uh, let me see if I can connect you with them and see if they'll be interested in giving you a record deal. So they came into this, into this office. I played the song. They said, this is a hit. He <laughs> says, but the problem is we don't know if you can get it cleared because it's a Janet Jackson sample. Well, I said, I looked at all of them and I said, 
I'll be back with a Janet Jackson clearance sample. <laughs> they said the guy says, "Well, if you get it back, if you get that sample cleared, I'll give you an additional ten thousand dollars." Wow! Out of my own personal account, if you can clear this, because we're that confident that it's a hit. And if you get it cleared, we'll give you a record deal, and we'll give you a hundred thousand as advance, and then you'll get, and it won't be taxed against your royalties; it'll just be in advance. So I'm like, okay, wow, this is this looks like something happening. So I looked at my friend Maurice, and I says, you know where we need to go? He said, where? I said, the the the, the Limitage Hotel. He said, why? I said, that's where my spirit is taking us. I just feel like we need to go. I didn't have a car at the time. It was dependent on him. Something told me to call the hotel and ask for Buster Rhymes. <laughs> so I called the hotel, asked for Buster Rhymes. I said, can I please speak to Trevor Smith, please? Um, the lady says, okay, no problem. She transferred me to Buster Rhymes' his, his, uh, hotel room. And I, I was like, yo, boss, what's up, man? It's The Rock. He was like, yo, Rock, I can't talk to you. I'm about to meet with Janet Jackson right now. I can't talk to you. No way. And he hangs up. We hang up. I said, I told you we got to go to the Lemitage Hotel. My friend said, what? What's going on? I said, Janet Jackson's going to be there. He said, what? He said, if, if Janet Jackson's there, I'm going to lose it. I said, yo, we're going to meet Janet Jackson. So we get there. Not even 10 minutes later, Janet pulls up. Oh, my God. In a black Range Rover. I run around to the side of the car and I said, hey, my name is The Rock. I'm a rapper. I remade your song. Let's wait a while. Um, Ken Kovastar. She said, I know Ken Kovastar. He runs my brother's label. I said, listen, I, I, I just need you to hear this song and get your permission. She heard the song. I played it for her. It was on the CD. I played it for her. She, stopped. she says, who's that rapping? I said, that's me. She says, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. What do you need from me? I said, I need you, your handwritten signature saying that you give me permission to use this record because I was told I couldn't get it cleared. She says, oh, yeah, I don't really clear stuff. And, and you know, on the publishing company, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis don't really clear that, that type of stuff. But I like it so much, I'll give you my lawyer and business manager's number, and they'll give you permission to clear it. Nice. She wrote it on a napkin. Nice. Eight o'clock in the morning, I call my friend. I said, "Yo, we're going to. We gotta." <laughs> so my friend is, is seeing me, Janet Jackson. He's losing it. He's pacing back and forth. He said, "What? This is crazy. How did you know that Janet Jackson? Like, yo, what's going? Like, I can't. I can't even believe this right now. Rock, I'm shaking. So he started. You know, he's having anxiety. He's just like he's overwhelmed with excitement. So." Eight o'clock in the morning the next day, we, I go to Ken Komasar's office. He said, hey, man, I don't have a meeting with you. What you doing here? I said, I got Janet Jackson's signature. He said, no way. No way you got Janet Jackson's signature. I said, look, I got it. And I showed it to him. And he said, holy crap. Oh, what? He said, I got to get these guys in here. Looks like you just made $10,000 and cut yourself a record deal. I said, Ken, call them up and tell them to come now. Some guys showed up at 12 o'clock. And they were like, so, would you, so what do you have? I said, look, here's the signature. He said, well, let's call this office that, and, and make sure that it's legit. So her name was Lindsay Scott. I said, Lindsay Scott's office. Hi, I'm, this is Ken Comasar calling from MJJ in regards to The Rock. And she said, and the lady said, her sister said, let me put you on the phone with Lindsay. She said, hey, Ken, how you doing? Um, yeah, we, we give him permission to use the song. Whoa. I cried right then and there. I bet. I bet. I had money wired in my account. $10,000 wired to my, my account. Following day, I got the money. Then I got the record deal. Oh, my god! So now I'm going to Germany because I'm signed to Warner Brothers in Germany through, a, through an independent label um, called Milk Records, M-I-L-K-K Records. And I'm... Living in Denmark, Copenhagen, recording in Denmark, an album. And my guy Flip Matrix helped me uh, record this stuff. And then, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm now I'm in Germany. So I'm there for eight months. I'm a dad. You know, I got to <laughs> I gotta leave my son. My son's four years old at the time. So I had to leave him and with his mom and go pursue the music. 
so I can make a better life for him. Mm-hmm. So I get over there. I'm in Germany, you know, and, and I'm touring all over Germany, 19 cities. And I'm, I'm making money. I'm killing it. But I'm lonely out there because all my friends, family is all here in the States. Yeah. And it felt like I wasn't doing nothing because they didn't see it. But I was working on being famous in a whole nother continent, you know? Were, so, they, were they just totally digging it over there too? Oh, they were blown away out over there because they had that American sound. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was I was doing extremely well over there. So, I end up doing a um, uh, getting on a compilation with Ricky Martin, Enrique, um, Julio Iglesias, like uh, just pretty much just it was a, a Latin kind of a compilation. It sold fourteen million copies. Wow. And I was the only independent artist on that compilation. And, you know, I started doing music out there. And and then I was missing my son. I was missing being a dad. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I got to go back to the States. Like, this is cool. I'm, this is fun and everything. But I need this. So I was dating this girl at the time. I had to put all my stuff in storage because she said that I got, she said she found, she found an apartment for me to, to to move into um so i put all my stuff in storage i'm on a plane coming back i'm on uh, latunza airlines coming back 14 hour flight i come back i get a message saying that the apartment flooded that i was moving into <laughs> and it's no longer available mm-hmm. so now i'm homeless again but i'm homeless with money yeah. It's a different kind of being homeless. So now I'm in a hotel. I'm staying in a hotel for a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in a hotel. Uh, I got money now. Yeah. So I'm staying in a hotel. And, you know, and, and then it's like I end up like, oh, and then fast forward, like rewind back. It's like I'm driving him. Once I hooked up with Big Daddy King, I got to go back. Sorry. And then I, 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 I look through Jerry's Deli window and I see Kumo D, the legendary Kumo D. I see him through the window. So I was like, yo, I'm going to go talk to this guy. So I had everything on my DAT machine, portable, so I could play it through the speakers. Nice. And I ran up to him while he's eating. He said, you're bothering me. Don't you see I'm eating? <laughs> I said, I have some songs. I, gotta, I said, I have some stuff. You're going you're gonna to want to work with me. He says, I'm eating. <laughs> I said, I said, I just need two, two minutes. He said, hurry up. I wow. played the track. He's bobbing his head. He's going crazy. He said, this is, this is fire. This is fire. I want this. How much you want? I said, just give me 5,000 for the track. He was like, all right. He said, play me another one. How much you want for this? I said, 5,000. He said, well, come <laughs> on Friday and pick up $10,000 for these tracks. I want to use them. So I go pick up the 10,000. Oh so now I'm learning that I have this spiritual gift. Yes. Even more to my, with my career, like really like seeing how I need to navigate, who I need to talk to and just feeling that just trusting it. Yeah. So I said, Oh wow. I said, I have psychic ability. I'm into, I'm in tune. I can see things and feel things. And then I just would sit down in, in, a, in, in my studio and I'd be like, oh, I need to call LL Cool J. Just, it'll just come to my spirit. I said, you call LL Cool J. Let me call the Four Seasons and see if he's there. I call the Four Seasons. I speak to James Todd Smith, please. Uh, one second, they transferred me to his room. He said, oh, who's this? I said, this is, this is The Rock. I'm a producer. I got some tracks for you. He said, yo, B, I don't know who you are. You know, I said, well, listen, man, I, I just got some bangers. He was like, come to my room, 923. I make my <laughs> way to the Four Seasons Hotel. Oh, my God. Now I'm playing them tracks. He ends up buying a track. Oh, my God. He ends up buying five tracks. Oh, my God. Then it turned to seven tracks. And it's like, boom. So now I got a relationship with LL Cousin. So now I'm over here, like, <laughs> back in the States. Things is moving. Um, my friend Big Chuck hits me up and was like, yo, I need a record for Jay-Z. I was like, <laughs> all right. So I send him a track. Jay-Z calls me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. 
Yo, send the reels, send the reels now, send the reels. I'm in the studio today, send the reels. So I was like, oh my God, all right, cool, no problem. So I go to Paramount Studios, send the reels, record it, send it overnight. Next thing you know, he said, he said uh, September 28th is the deadline for my album to come out. So this has to be a quick turnover. How do we clear the sample? I hit up the lady at Warner Brothers Special Products, Warner Brothers. She said she can't clear the sample for two weeks. I missed the deadline. Oh, no. I didn't make the album. The album sold 10 million copies. Oh, man. So I'm, 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 now I'm sick. Now I'm like really like angry. So next thing you know, um, I, 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 you know, I, I get a phone call two, two years later from Jay-Z. Like, I want to give this record to my other artists. I think the record's dope, but I want to give it to my other artists. So I end up producing an artist named Memphis Bleak. So then I end up coming out. And then, in the course of just moving around, Benny Medina, I bum-rushed Warner Brothers, snuck into the A&R department, ran into Benny Medina, played him some tracks. I said, you got to hear this stuff now. And he was like, yo, he said, you got a lot of balls coming up in here like this. So yeah. I played the track, and next thing you know, I'm doing remixes for Karen White. Oh, my God. So now I'm doing the remix. I'm getting money. I have this manager who's stealing money. I ain't seeing no money. Oh. And, you know, so now it's just I'm, I'm moving around, right? And and uh, so then, you know, me and LL start connected again. And what else? Um, and then... Uh, you know, and then fast forward, I, I, I connect with Interscope Records, meet my guy Kevin Black, boom, boom, boom. He starts plugging me up with everything on Interscope. Remixes for Common, remixes for, for Gwen Stefani. Like anything Interscope, definitely in them, I was doing all the remixes for. Uh-huh. So I started then, I started getting my stability back. So now I'm no longer homeless because now I'm making money and I finally get an apartment. So I'm in the elevator, uh, Interscope Records, and I yell, how's everybody doing today? There's seven people in the elevator. And the guy turns around and says, man, you got a lot of energy, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm a music producer. He said, well, I started a reggaeton label. Here's my card. <laughs> so next day, next day I go to his meeting. I meet Weeson Yundell. Weeson Yundell, nobody knew who they was yet. So I ended up doing a remix for them, crossing them over, and was fifth was five weeks on the Latin charts wow. with them. Wow. Then worked with Don Omar and ended up being ten weeks number one on the Latin charts. All from saying hello in the elevator. Unbelievable. How's everybody doing? Unbelievable. So well, then I'm like, wow, now I'm I'm like the second biggest hip hop producer in the Latin world. <laughs> so now I'm doing that. Now I'm producing Latin music and don't even speak the language. I I, I didn't know how to roll my tongue, so I dropped out of the class in 10th grade in Spanish. When I took Spanish in 10th grade back in New Bedford, Mass., I dropped out of the class because I couldn't speak the language. I couldn't couldn't roll my tongue. But God wanted me to take the class because Mm -hmm. I was going to be a big hip-hop producer in the Latin world. Fast forward. Didn't Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So next thing you know... You know, I'm getting huge press. I'm, pop, uh, 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 I'm dealing with I'm dealing with paparazzi. I'm dealing with all type of stuff from a whole other genre that I had no idea I was even capable of jumping in and and, and being successful with. So I ended up put, ended up crossing over all the reggaeton artists to the to the to the English world, the Anglo world, and mm-hmm. giving them a hip hop presence, taking Latin music and giving it a hip hop presence. So then. They end up giving me my own compilation deal, and I end up putting Latin, new Latin artists on that, and you know now I'm really established myself in the Latin world. Like boom, so then, um, I, I meet Jada Kiss. I end up um, working with Jada Kiss in 2003 from a um, Dwayne Martin movie, Hustling Heat, and and did the theme song with Jada Kiss on that. And then I'm doing remixes for Common. 
So now I'm starting to get my name in the industry, you know, starting to wet my, you know, get my, get my chops wet, you know? Yeah. So now I have a little name. Mm -hmm. So I got some strong international presence. I got a strong international presence. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's keep this thing going. So then fast forward, um, Jada Kiss, uh, comes back in my lap, you know, through Faith Evans. So what happened was, no, I'm sorry, uh, rewind. So Jada, I, I, I get a phone call like, yo, you got any tracks for Jada Kiss? And I'm like, yes. So I send over some tracks. He loves it. I fly to New York. I'm producing a whole project with Jada Kiss. Next oh. thing you know, he's like, yo, we have something for Nicki Minaj. Because I want to get Nicki Minaj on this record. And then I'm producing a record featuring Nicki Minaj on the record. Wow. So now I'm like, okay, now I got New York. And then I ended up hooking up with my cousin, Denny Soares, Matt Golda. And then I started working on my project. So I go grab Jim Jones, J.D. Kiss, um, uh, uh, Tiana Taylor, or like Bobby Valentino. And I start putting together my own album because I was ready to put out an album because now it's time. I haven't put out nothing since, you know, the time 98, signed the Warner Brothers. So I'm thinking I'm going to put out an album. But then I play my album for J.D. Kiss and he says, I want that beat. So now my album's being dismantled because he wants songs off my album. Uh -huh. So I played my stuff. I meet, um, in 1995, I got introduced to Karis one in 95. This is crazy. In 95, I got introduced to Karis one. Totally forgot about this. So Karis one ended up producing the song for me. Fast forward 2007. I meet Karis one at the gas station. He remembered me from 1995 and was oh like, yo, what's God. going on with you? I said, I got beats. So I ended up producing <laughs> KRS-One. So now it went from him producing me for me producing him. So I'm producing him. Next thing you know, I got the, I got songs with him. And then he said he needed help with the Stop the Violence Project. So I ended up producing the Stop the Violence Project. So it featured Nelly, Neo, Busta Rhymes, Redman, Method Man, Talib Kweli, like yeah. 11 artists on one record Whoa. and I produced it. So, and, and I, I'm telling him, I was like, yo, in order to squash this, in order to get this project really up off the ground, you have to squash the beef that you have with Nelly. He says, well, if I can get to Nelly, I'll squash the beef, but I don't really have beef with Nelly. I have beef with Nelly types. And I'm like, what does that even mean? So <laughs> he, he, I turn around and tell Karis one, I'm going to get Nelly. Well, God told me to drive in the car down Santa Monica Boulevard in Beverly Hills. I see Nelly's bodyguard outside of Crustacean's restaurant. Go inside Crustacean's. I parked my car in the street with the hazard lights on. Run inside there and tell Nelly, look, I got KRS One that wants to do a song with you for the Stop the Violence Project. Are you interested? He was like, he don't like me. He don't like me. He got beef with me. I said, look, we're going to squash the beef right now. Are you interested? He said, yes, yes. So next thing you know, I call up KRS-One. I says, KRS-One, I, I said, Chris, I have Nelly. The Rock, you don't have Nelly. I said, I have Nelly. <laughs> I got him right here. He said, how do you have Nelly? I just talked to you. I said, but I told you I was going to get Nelly. He said, but you told me that you, you didn't tell me you knew Nelly. You just said you was going to get him. I said, listen, he's here right now in front of me. Let me put him on speaker. He said, Nelly, you know you ain't supposed to be on this call right now. He says, I have beef with you, but be I gave The Rock my word that if he was to get a hold of you, we would squash it. Do you want to participate on the Stop the Violence Project? He said, yeah, no problem, no problem. Give me the address. Next thing you know, Nelly comes into the studio. I grab the cameras. They follow me. And then I make him and KRS-One shake hands, and they squash the beef. Wow. So cool. So now... Now it's like mind blowing. So I tell KRS one, we need a hook. I'm gonna go grab Neo. He said, The Rock, you don't know Neo. I said, <laughs> I know I don't know Neo, but I'm gonna get him. So I go to the four seasons the next day <laughs> and I brush my hand. I'm walking across this limousine. All the windows are up. I brush my hand across this limousine as I'm walking. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I tap on the glass, it's Neo. <laughs> in the limo 
The window rolls down. Neil says, hey, how can I help you? I said, I need you on a record with, with KRS-One, Stop the Violence. Are you interested? He says, yeah, when do you need it? I said, I need it ASAP. He was like, I, I, can I give it to you in a couple of days? I give him my, my, my information, email address. He sends me the vocals. I call up KRS-One. I said, I have Neo. The Rock, how do you have Neo? <laughs> how is that even possible? I just talked to you the other day. This is just scaring me right now. <laughs> you are scaring me right now. Like, how is how is this even possible? Boom. And so what was happening was I was getting, God was downloading to me on how to navigate. So now the voice in my head is 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 God really saying, do this, do that. So now I'm paying attention. Yeah. So now I'm, you know, I'm I'm keeping it to myself because I sound crazy talking how I'm talking and how I'm pulling all these miracles together. You know what I mean? Like it's mind blowing on how it comes together. When I say it's gonna, I'm gonna do something. I do it within hours of saying it. Yeah. So the manifestation level was on a whole nother level. Yeah. So, so and my timing with God is impeccable. So next thing you know, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm I got this project going. That project comes out. I'm at home. I said, Fat Burger. Let me go to Fat Burger. <laughs> uh -huh. I walked to Fat Burger. I was like, should I drive? Nah, I'll walk. I walk into Fat Burger. Faith Evans is in Fat Burger. <laughs> Next thing you know, she said she's working on the Notorious B.I.G. movie. She said, do I have a studio? We come to my studio and record the song for the Biggie movie featuring Jadakiss. I never got the fat burger. God <laughs> told me fat burger so I can go there. If I had drove there, I would have never met Faye Devins. I walked. So the timing of me walking was perfect timing to connect with her. That day, we come to my studio, record the song for the Biggie movie. Wow. Highest grossing uh, movie that year ended up in Forbes magazine. Wow. So now I'm a part of Stop the Violence, which is history with legendary artists. Now I'm also part of the Biggie movie, which is iconic in that level. Right? Wow. So now things is moving. And so I'm like, okay, I need to get some things going for myself. So I started put together a project, started rapping again, again, put my project down, picked it up again to start connecting with folks. And then I, I noticed that there was this homeless person banging on my car. So I run, I'm at the gas station. I run around and I was like, yo, man, get your hands off my car. He says, I'm malnourished. I haven't ate in two weeks. I said, well, let me take you to go get something to eat. So we go across the street. I get him something to eat. He's telling me, hey, what would you do if your name was on a Coca-Cola can? What would you do if you, saw, if you saw your name on a Coca-Cola can? Would you buy it? I said, yeah, definitely. Well, the next day, the Coca-Cola cans was in the grocery, in, in the stores. Um, um, like he said it was. Like, and, and I was like, this dude's incredible. So I, that day, I noticed he had a phone on this, in his fanny pack. So I took him to Best Buy, got him some minutes on his phone. When he predicted the calls, the, um, the name on the Coke can... And then I go in the grocery store and I see them bringing it in. I said, I got to call this guy. So I called the homeless guy. I said, you got, you got some marketing skills. You got, you're, you're on point. He answered the phone. And, and I was the only call because he had no one to call. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So he takes the call. He says, man, I've been, I'm glad you called, man. You didn't <laughs> give me your number. And I says, well, I'm going to get you a job. He says, really? So I called up Babyface's assistant, got a fictitious resume, and she ended up having, finding the opening for him and got him a job at Budweiser. Aww. The dude went from traveling across the world on freight trains for 27 years since he was six years old and got him the job. Not even, not even 70, not even uh, 48 hours. He already got a job of me meeting him. Hmm. 
That was 12 years ago. The dude makes 150000 a year. Nice. So cool. He's on a whole nother level. That's really cool. So then I'm over here like... Hold on one second. The whole time, the whole time that you're talking, I got a big smile on my face. <laughs> so it's really so cool. So I'm over here. Yeah. I'm over here, like, wow. Mm-hmm. This is this is mind. This is mind blowing. So I'm like, and now I see that I have the ability to tap in to save lives, save someone's life. So. I just started listening to more. I started getting into meditation more. Mm-hmm. Boom. And I would hear God say, run, go across the street. I would hear it in my head. I would run across the street. I saw this guy hanging on a pole. And God said, grab him. I grabbed him. And me and the guy fell to the ground. And the car hit the pole he was holding on to. Oh, my gosh. The dude screamed and said, I saved his life. Like, he said, how do you know? I said, God just told me to, to grab your hood. Like grabbed the hood of your jacket. He was like, this is unreal. This is unreal. Boom. So now I'm realizing that I have the ability to hear God to save lives. Mm-hmm. Not only put people in the music business, but to actually save someone's life. So I said, I'm going to become a Reiki master, a healer, and tap into that world and then really do God's work. Well, fast forward, I'm on United Airlines, I see this man, I walk by him and I said, you're not going to kill yourself today. Mm. He screamed at the top of his lungs and they said, they said, uh, uh, what's going on? What's going on? He said, this man just saved my life. He, he's, I wrote a suicide note to end my life today and this man just saved my life. So, um, he, next thing you know. He's like, he's like, he's like, I can't even believe this. I can't even believe how you just, you saved my life. And then United Airlines gives me a lifetime companion pass to fly anywhere in the world. Wow. So (laughs) fast forward. Next thing you know, I, I do, uh, I go live on Facebook, talk about suicide, and there's 20 people in my inbox saying they're going to kill themselves, and they, 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 they want me to give them a reason to live. So I went through each call and saved every single one of those people from killing themselves. Wow. So then I, I met Tay Diggs. I give him a reading, Tisha Campbell, um, Dwayne Martin. Like I'm meeting all these folks in Hollywood, and I'm pouring my energy, I'm giving them readings, I'm telling them about their life. And then I became Black Hollywood's life coach. Then I go grab Joseph Sakura from Power and Force and become his life coach, teach him meditation, teach him breathing techniques. Run into Tiffany Haddish, become her life coach, and it just, it just pretty much just started going from there. Hmm. So then, is the kicker I put on Facebook 2019 Oprah will be executive producer my TV show Oprah will Oprah me and Oprah will become great friends I will be doing music for her network we will be doing things well fast forward seven months later February 22nd I meet Oprah she walks up to me and says, my energy is amazing. I tell her that I'm, I'm Ruben Cannon's life coach. She said, wow. She was blown away because Ruben Cannon cast to her in color purple. Mm. So next thing you know, it's just like, it's, 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 it's going. Now, now I'm doing music for Oprah's network. And and we're talking about some some TV shows. I created a TV show collab in twenty twenty eighteen in twenty fifteen. I created the show, and then 
I, I saved it for 2018, Matt Bentley Evans. I know I'm all over the place with my timeline. And then I pitched it in 2020 to own, I mean, to uh, TV One Network. It sat there for three for three three years. Next thing you know, uh, Jason Ryan, he hits me up, and in March, and asked me if the show's available. And now it's I'm producing this TV show on TV One. So that's collab. With legendary artists and new artists collaborating, and Dougie Fresh is the host. Have you guys done a Have you guys done a show yet, or we 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 filming next month? Nice. That's so great. What a great story. I um, I love. I didn't even get a chance I, to interview me. I just kept going. No, it's all good. That's <laughs> all good, man. I, I I had a big smile on my face, like I was saying the whole time. It's like I I love how you just go and get it. You know, like all the things that you did, you just went up and you just asked these guys and you just you just made it happen. Sneaking into the club, asking, you know, uh, Big Daddy Kane, just doing everything. It was just unbelievable, man. And a lot of people don't get that, that you just got to go out and you got to do it. There's a quote that man. you there's a quote that I, I read that you said it's um, success is like a plant. Plant the seed, water it, watch it grow, then it becomes a flower. And I, I, I love that, uh, how, you, how you said that. And it's, it's a very important thing that I think a lot of people need to know is that you got to actually go for it in life, you know, without a doubt. Wow. Well, um, I, I wanted to, I, one of the things that I, you know, you, you started talking about when you were a kid and everything. One of the things, one of my questions was I wanted to ask you was, you know, I'm going to go way back to when you were getting ready to walk on the stage at the Apollo because the the things that I've seen on TV and whatnot of people at the Apollo is the the audience is not forgiving. Like if if you suck, you suck. If you're good, you're good. And so knowing that, like I'm sure you're going up on the stage. I mean, I wanted to find out, you know, what it was like for you going out on that stage the first time. Oh, it was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my heart was, you know, I had to rub the log. Yeah, 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 right. And, and, and you know, the good thing is, is I took second place. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And were so, there, was, yeah, the crowd, that, was the crowd going wild? The crowd was going crazy when I was performing. Nice, man. Nice. So, so, and then I, the confidence was through the roof. I'm like, if I could rock the Apollo, I could rock anywhere in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another question I had for you, when you're working with an artist, um, you know, everybody's got these different personalities and everything. And as a producer, I'm sure you have to kind of, you know, find that personality that they are and kind of work with that personality. Is that right? Or how do you go about producing somebody? Um, like, you know, I, I, I tap into to I just close my eyes, get into a nice meditation before I work with them, mm -hmm. and I just trust what God tells me on what I should do, and then I get get creative, and uh -huh. there's magic. Interesting. It sounds like um, you're you're real in touch with your spirituality and and uh, getting to know everybody and and just really understanding their music and and making it so that it come the best comes out of them. And that's kind of what a producer does, right? They're they're in the studio, and like if somebody's not doing well or they're having a hard time with it, you have to be, have that motivation to get them to uh, give their best performance. Is that right? Yep. And see, when, when I, and also what I do is I do gong work. So I I uh, and I'm a Reiki master. So yeah. I, I I get the energy right, get them into a meditation. If they're having a writer's block, I have gongs that pretty much balance the chakras. Oh, and get nice. the energy right, and that puts them in the right place. Gets them in the right place. Creativity un un releases all blocks, and then we're on our way to a hit record. That's awesome, man. So, if you could give um, some advice to young producers out there, what, what what advice would you give them as they're as they're working hard to get out there? Establish establish a sound. And be a sound that pretty much is tailor-made for each artist. Mm -hmm. Create a signature 
tagline so people know what's your production mm. and never give up and just, just get out there and network, meet DJs, meet people, and just know that God got you talented for a reason and just keep going and just have a lot of heart. Awesome, man. That's it. I love it. Well, Dwayne DeRock, thank you so much, man, for being on my podcast. Man, what a great story. Thanks, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and sorry for the timeline, man. No I was worries. Talking so much. I, like, you know, I went all over the place, but yeah, I, man. I love it, man. I, I love your story. I, I wish more people were like that. They would take the jump and just go for it like you. And and that's what my podcast is about, is people just like you that actually go for it and make something out of their life. I mean, what an amazing story. Like I said, I had a smile on my face the whole time you're you're talking about what you're doing and how you did everything. Amazing, man. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. Yes, let's go. All right, Thank bye-bye. You. With everything going on in the world today, right now could be the best time ever to diversify your retirement savings with precious metals like gold and silver. I just bought some precious metals myself, and I got them from the top-rated company, Gold Co., They couldn't have made the process easier and their customer service was impeccable. Gold Co. has helped thousands of people just like you and me place over $2.5 billion in gold and silver. They're rated A-plus by Better Business Bureau. They've earned over 5,000 five-star reviews. They're a seven-time incorporated 5,000 winner. And that's just mentioning a few of their accomplishments. There's plenty more. Right now, for my listeners, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver. You heard that right, up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. Go to goldco.com slash guy to learn more. That's goldco.com slash guy. Diversify your savings with gold and silver today at goldco.com slash guy. It's a guy jeans podcast.